Hello, watch nerds, and welcome back. You're listening to Beyond Chronology podcast, and I'm your host, Nico. And today I'm very excited to talk with the founder of one of the hottest micro brands today. Brand that really manages to stand out in oversaturated market with stunning design, excellent specs, and a team that really, really know what they're doing. My guest today is Jerome from Serica Watch Company. Hi, Jerome, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. How are you feeling? I know you're a little bit under the weather. Yeah, the autumn is coming and winter is uh, is pretty close like everywhere else. And it took a, it took a toll on me. So <laughs> I've been quite sick for the last couple of days, but back on track and happy to be here with you for sure. I'm really happy to have you, man, and excited to talk watches. And we have a new segment in the podcast. We, we, we are starting now with quiz and... Um, okay. I hope you're ready. <laughs> and today the, ready. the theme is going shoot, to be shoot, shoot. <laughs> the, the theme is going to be Paris and I will start with okay. do you know what um, oh the the rules for the for the quiz are that uh, you have about 1 minute to answer each each question. Okay. What was the Paris old name? Lutèce. Lutèce in French or Lutetia in in Latin, but it's uh, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> Number two, name three French inventions. Inventions, uh, photography, uh, cinema, which is pretty big, and the espresso machine and the French press. <laughs> That's four. Okay, I'll stop here. <laughs> then we have hair dry- dryer, uh, pastur- pasteurizing. Then you have, we have baguette, we have champagne, yeah. we have 400 distinctive types of cheese, we have many things, but you said four. And you said four. Yeah, even mayonnaise <laughs> and bikini. <laughs> of all things. Uh, correct, <laughs> correct, correct. That's right. <laughs> uh, number three, name five uh, French brand watches. Watch brands, uh, sure. I can go with a French brand made in Switzerland or that oh, like started by French people, right? I guess both. I guess. Okay, let's start with uh, Abraham Louis Breguet, like very famous watchmaker. We can follow with uh, Cartier, obviously, great guy. Ferdinand Bertou, which is an amazing yeah. watchmaker. That's for the for the big guns, amazing yeah. for the old ones. And the more maybe more a bit more res- recent uh, and modern watch brands, we have Bell and Ross, we have Marsh Lab, we have Beaubleu, and and hopefully we have Serica. <laughs> yes, and I have uh, Yemen Baltic as well. Also, of course, and so many more, so many, so more. many more. Name three French wines, if you know any. Uh, French wines, yes, of course. Uh, what do I like best? Uh, I'm originally from Alsace, so I will start with Gibbert Straminer, Vendange Tardive. That's a very nice, uh, sweet white wine that goes very well with dessert. Uh, I'd go with uh, Mercure, which is from Bourgogne, which is my, my go-to pleasing wine. When I, <laughs> when I want to drink something I truly like, that's what I go for. And maybe another Bourgogne, because that's what I like best. Uh, a petit Haute Côte de Nuit. That's nice. Oh, that's <laughs> many. <laughs> yeah, we have many wines. Just, just as many as cheese, probably. Your favorite place in Paris? My favorite place in Paris? Uh, home, I'm sure. But uh, next one. to home, I recently, I recently visited the Bourse de Commerce that was redone by Ando Tadao, the Japanese architect to host the Pinot Collection. And I was truly impressed. It's, uh, if, I could call, if I could call that place home, I mean, that'd be nice. <laughs> wow. Um, your favorite shop or shops, watch shops in Paris? 
to shop for watches in Paris, uh, I'd go to Romaria. He's, uh, he's got two shops, one Rue Marbeuf and the other one uh, Rue du Bac, the historical one. And it's, uh, it's like a museum, but better. If you want something to please your eyes and endanger your wallet, yeah, it's, a, it's the right place to go, definitely. <laughs> uh, last thing is uh, name five famous French people. Uh, let's start with uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. I mean, he was an ambitious fella who, who certainly put France on the map at some point. We have uh, Serge Gainsbourg. We have uh, Yves Saint Laurent, who invented quite a few things fashion-wise as well. We have uh, Claude Monet, is one of us as well, founder of Impressionism. And do, 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 let's not forget about philosophy, René Descartes. He's the one who said, I think, therefore I am. So something I like very much. And Zidane, of course, everybody knows Zidane. Zidane, of course. No, we, we have a few, a few guys, a few guys around. Uh, in preparation for the for the podcast, when I was uh, googling like uh, famous people, I was like, there are so many. Who is there? Yeah, to I, mean, pick? I didn't Google that because I. You told me <laughs> you're from, so you're from okay, there. That, you should know? Be, that should be easy. But uh, yeah, there were a few a few guys. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's funny that I it's funny that I mentioned only only dead guys from centuries ago. <laughs> I guess France is not what it used to be. <laughs> Let's talk, talk about you and Sarik. Uh, for, for the listeners that don't know yet who you are, which will be surprising to me, tell us who you are, a little bit of your background. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Jerome. I am French, so does my passport say. I dedicate myself to creating watches, and I'm the designer and co-founder of Serica. I I've been doing many things before, I've always been into watches uh, on a personal level, but it took, it took years before I actually could do it uh, as, my, as my job, to do it full-time and to dedicate myself to, to creating what I envisioned for so long. I, I've been a journalist, a watch journalist, for about six, seven years. I have been running luxury hotels. I've been learning in hospital. I've been... I've been working in, with, uh, with uh, suit makers in the satire world. I've been making drinks. <laughs> I've been wow. traveling. I've been a photographer. I've been doing many things and I've been around a bit. But I'm, I'm definitely very happy to be here today and to be able to dedicate myself to, to what I, I enjoy most, which is creating watches. Amazing. Are you living your dream? Uh, we could say that, man. I mean, I, I get up in the morning. I, I'm happy to go to work. And I get so much in return and so much love from people from all around the world for, for doing what I love to do. And, and that's priceless. I mean, it's something I'd never experienced before, but I wish everybody could one day because it's, uh, it's fulfilling, truly. You surely have our love because we are fascinated with your watches. Thank you very much. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss the watches, I guess. Absolutely. Um, you have been horology journalist and content creator for a number of years now. And I wonder how does this knowledge and deep understanding of watches translate to designing the watches? It's, uh, it's a good question that many, not many ask like, uh, as frontly as you do, but many people wonder, is like, okay, you're not a watch designer. How come did you turn suddenly into a watch designer and how were you able to, like, to, to come up with what you did? And I think it's not that surprising because what better way to study something that you love than first studying what others did in the past. And that's what the journalist does, right? As a journalist, you don't, you, don't study, you don't study watches in books. You study watches by seeing them. You study watches by putting them on the wrist, by realizing how it feels. 
And to me, there is no better way to understand something than not with words, with, with your cells, with your eyes, with your, with your gut feeling. And it's something after a while, it, uh, it trains your eye in some way, than no book can. You know, like the master architect Ando Tadao that I do, that I do look up to very much, he, he was self-taught as well, and, but he spent his youth with the makers in his neighborhood, understanding wood, understanding stones, understanding all the pride that all these guys were putting into what they did. And that's something we'll go back to later, I guess, but the pride and the, the, the love, what you put into what you make, it does make a huge difference. And it's a, it's a state of mind that uh, only someone who truly loves the product can, can have. And I think it's a very, very important ingredient. And also in, uh, in France, many were talking about cinema and, and photography invented by the French. We also had those guys from La Nouvelle Vague, if you heard, maybe uh, François Truffaut, Jean-Luc Godard, Eric Romer. Those guys, basically, they, they invented La Nouvelle Vague. And all those guys uh, were like... Uh, how could I say, they've been acclaimed all around the world for their views, for their movies, for their, their use of the camera, the use of the music, the use of the silence. And, and all these guys were journalists before actually turning into directors, which, uh, which tends me to believe that uh, studying others with passion definitely helps into knowing what you do once you start on the other side. And also in your work for, 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 for quite many years, was it five or six or seven years uh, you've been a horology journalist, you have yeah. handled one of the most incredible watches oh, definitely, there are out man. there. Definitely. And that's, that's a luck that I, I could not have had if I, didn't, if I had not been a, a, a journalist. I, I told you earlier I was born in Alsace, mm -hmm. which is right next to the Swiss and German border. So when I was younger, I would I would get up super early and I would go to the uh, to the flea markets, to the to the watch uh, watch auctions on the border, and that started to train my eye with some vintage pieces with what have been done in the past. But uh, being a journalist has been such an accelerator. You have no idea. I mean, both modern and vintage, with the likes of Romain that I mentioned earlier with his shops, yeah, and other guys, obviously. But you, it's a treasure. It's a museum. You, 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 just, you just walk in, uh, you, you have a coffee, you crack a joke, and, and then you have a lineup of all the most amazing watches you can ever dream of. So in terms of going to school, that's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> and I can imagine those flea markets have n are not even close to our flea markets here. <laughs> no, it's, well, when you go, we, you still have to get to go, to go like, and to get up very early because, uh, well, early birds get the... I don't know what they're saying in English, <laughs> but you get the idea. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite something. Can you share a little bit more details about the humble beginning of Serica? I know that there is a number of amazing people involved in the project, but how did that all, uh, how the idea was born in the beginning? The, the beginnings, uh, we're still at the very beginning to me, and we're still humble, I hope. And I plan on remaining humble for as long as I, I breathe. <laughs> But uh, the very beginning, and of course, there are so many people involved. It's just not myself. It's not just myself, obviously. And it's a matter of meeting the right people at the right time. I mean, I would have never started Serica without my associate, Gabriel Vachet. 
And it was an encounter that, uh, I don't know, I, at the time, you know, I was not even in France. I was a fashion photographer in, in Canada. And just life brought me here, back to Paris, through him. We, we got in touch and the magazine was, uh, was booming at the time. He was looking for someone to, to take over the, edit <laughs> the editorial line. And, and I said, okay. And I came back and everything that happened since then has been, led me, led me to where I am today. And I couldn't be more grateful to everybody, especially him as well. Uh, we have also a long friend, a friend of mine for a very long time, Swiss guy, David Gagnebin. Uh, it's with him that we did design the, the very first Serica watch because uh, on the first design, obviously, I knew exactly and very precisely what I wanted, but I didn't know how to use, uh, how to use Illustrator or, or the software good enough to draw and put on paper what I wanted. So the first one, we did it with my eyes, my vision and his hand. Which, uh, <laughs> which took some time, definitely, but, uh, but it did work. And without him, the first Erika watch would have never been the same. We, there are so many people involved at every stage. We have people in Switzerland, we have people in China for the manufacturing of the cases and bracelets. And all those guys, if they don't do their job with love, if they don't believe in building something great, it doesn't work. A Serica watch wouldn't look like it does. And you know, I often, I often take the, the idea behind building a watch is just like making a movie. If you just have an, a director without actors, without a sound guy, without, a, without all the crew involved into making a movie, it's, it's just, it doesn't work. Then it remains a script or an idea or something beautiful in your mind, but it doesn't take shape. And if you want something to take shape, you gotta work with people and you gotta work together. And that's how watches have been built for, for a very long time. You know, manufacturing a dial is not, it's just simply not the same thing as, it's not the same job as making a caliber. It's not the same job as making a, a bracelet, a case, hands, of uh, finding the right, uh, the right color, the right shade of Luminova. It's, uh, those are very distinctive uh, lines of work. And if you try to do everything by yourself, obviously you cannot. Not everybody's Clint Eastwood, I would say. <laughs> so I have to, uh, we all, well, I need a team around, obviously, and I'm very happy with the people I work with today. It starts with, it starts with one man, it starts with one idea. It's, uh, you, have, you, you need to have that spine that makes sure everything is relevant and everything stays, con how, uh, how could I say, remains within the border of the original vision. Otherwise, it's, uh, if you lose track of what you wanted to create at the very beginning, something the, the one thing that made you proud and the one reason you wanted to do it in the first place it's uh then it's uh it's very easy to get misleaded and to turn into something you didn't want to be in the first place but uh i'm certainly here to to make sure of it i forgot to do something wrist check can you tell us what's on your wrist a wrist check oh like this it's no surprise that I'm wearing one of the one of the very only prototypes of the 5303 that that will be it's been released and they will ship in the next uh, two to three weeks tops. I promise to all the guys order <laughs> who have ordered their watches and who are patiently who have very patiently waiting for their watches, and I'd like to thank to thank them again truly, because uh, I don't know if you heard but we we yeah. had to delay the first batch of watches. 
because uh, basically the, we have a polished ceramic insert on the, on the bezel of the 5303 and it was not up to the standard. It was just a tiny, tiny little thing, but uh, once I saw it, obviously I couldn't unsee it. And we took the heavy decision to manufacture the whole batch again, which delayed us by uh, over a month. And I explained that, and not one of the guys who ordered the watch, or ladies, because we have a few, a few, a few girls out there who support us. Thank you very much. And not one of them complained. Not one of them. And it's a, it's a very, it's a beautiful thing because I, I mean, when I pressed send on this newsletter and when I wrote those words, I, I was not relaxed. Let me tell you. I mean, I was the first one annoyed because we put so much work, so much love into this watch for so long. I mean, it's over three years, almost, almost, yeah, over three years, well over three years. And the manufacturing itself, uh, it's been over six months. So step by step, trying to build something that I know is, is up to what I want and up to what our customer deserves, it takes, uh, it takes time. And when we were delayed, I was, uh, I was not happy. I was, I was, I was really down. And, but it was the right thing to do. I mean... People, once the watch will be perfect and on their wrist, everybody will forget about those four weeks. But if it shows and if it's not up to the standard, not up to what they expect and not up to what we fight for, then it's, it's bad for everybody. Because we make those watches for people to have smiles on their faces, you know. And if, uh, if they put the watch out of the box, put it, put it on a wrist and nothing happens, then I failed. And I don't like to fail. <laughs> You have only our respect for the decision to move the data and provide better quality. And uh, I hope that that's uh, something that more brands will do with, with time. It's uh, time. It's something that more people and more brands and outside of the watch world should consider. Because nothing replaces time. You need time to, to do things well. If you do things in a hurry, it doesn't... Well, from my experience at least, it's not the same. Fantastic point, yeah. I ask many of our guests, and uh, I will ask you as well, every brand has philosophy, vision, and a mission. What's Ericus? Maybe uh, I gave you a few hints already with what I've been saying previously. But uh, our mission is, is truly to, to make people happy, to make them happy to be on earth, to, to give them a reason to smile. Because we, we all have shit days from time to time, of course. But I think when your life is already filled with so many small things that makes you smile, then this, this day can't be that bad after all. I mean, we, we all have bad news, but it's, uh, it's the small things. And I think by putting these qualities we, we discussed earlier into the watches, then it's, it, it truly can make a difference and it truly can make life better, basically. It's, uh, it might sound corny or it might sound big, I don't know. But to me, it isn't. It is, it is something. It truly is something. Let's talk about the watches themselves. Uh, I like the 5303 more, um, and, I, sure. I, and I like it on the on, on Melanie's. <laughs> okay. You're a dive watch guy. I mean, your first watch was a Promaster, so... I'm a rugged watch guy. I like divers, but okay. often I'm, I'm uh, tired of the bezels. It's, it's in periods, but I like watches that can take a beating and, and, and still look nice. And that's something that naturally made me attracted to your watches because you, you have really achieved that uh, tool watch that can take a beating and, and, and look like a million bucks. That's, that's, it's a very attractive proposition. 
that's the whole ambition behind Serica, indeed, and, and I'm glad you saw it, because I, I was always attracted to, okay, let's put it that way, to some kind of functional beauty. I mean, I'm fascinated by, well, let's call it beauty, by any form of, of balance, of harmony, and how to create it. And I'm really happy when I surround myself with that. And again, in objects and people. And when we say beauty, I don't say expensive. When I say beauty, I don't say models in my friends. I, I'm talking about the, what they embody and what they give, obviously. And for watches, it's the same. I've always been into watches that did not try to be beautiful, but that was so balanced and so ultimately purpose-driven that they became so much more beautiful than anything else because they didn't even try. So obviously that led me to military watches I mean, with history and stories. It led me to dive watches, vintage chronographs, and all these watches, obviously, they, they could take a beating, but they remain very beautiful objects once out of the harsh environment they've been designed for. And I think that's one of the, of the things that we lack in many modern watches. Because when you go rugged or when you go diver, when you go chronograph, very often you go 44, 42, 13, 14 millimeter thick. And with designs and fit and finish that obviously fits the purpose, but then lacks the versatility to transition nicely into something else. And our ambition here is to create these watches with this same quality. I mean, both the 4512 and the 5303 are very, I would say, professional watches because we're talking water resistance, we're talking reliable calibers, we're talking uh, like strong cases made of stainless steel, sapphire crystal, I mean, there is no... Nothing is left aside when it comes to materials, obviously. But when it comes to proportions, it's, uh, I like to think that they're awfully nice to look at and to wear on the wrist because they're still, you know, like, let's, let's stick to the 4512. It's what is commonly referred to as a field watch. So stainless steel, three hands, time only, good. Rugged, dependable, waterproof. That's basically a, a military, military specs. But... Uh, when you pay attention to the fit and finish, uh, if you have a look no, at, the, at the polished bevel on the flat top bezel, the polished crown, I mean, it does elevate the tool watch design into something else. I mean, it's not bit blasted, it's not fully brushed. And then it's, it reveals the, the construction of the case itself. The light plays with it differently. And obviously the proportions and the size of the watch helps as well but it just becomes a thing of beauty that you like to look at without necessarily telling the time. And I think if we don't want to look at our watches without telling the time, then again we fail. Because it's, uh, the watch is an object of emotion, it's an object of pleasure. We don't need watches anymore, we want watches, because they represent something else. But uh, your watches are, are, are meant to take a beating and uh, they, will, they will last uh, zombie apocalypses. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope. Uh, and I have to say, I, there, there is one guy on, on Instagram, check, check him out. His name is uh, Dotted Culture. His name is Vincent. He's yeah. a French guy. He's been living in the US for a long time. And he's been doing virtually everything with his 4512. He's been diving down to 40 meters. He's been hiking in the desert. He's been into like freezing environments. And, and this 4512 looks amazing. Of course, he's, he, like, it has like many dings and it's, it's not brand new anymore. But it looks, it has memories. 
it's like uh, I don't know I often say it as well but it's uh, dings and scratches on the watch it says I've lived I've lived a full life I'm enjoying a full life yeah it's just like wrinkles on a pretty face it's uh, it's much better than no wrinkles and no life you know what I mean so to me watches are, are meant to be worn watches are meant to to build memories with and to remind you the best best memories when you look at the time and when you look at when you see your watch then it turns into something else I have to say a few things you have really nailed one of the things is the crown and crown is something that somehow many companies even if even if that's not the case it the they make crowns that look like an afterthought yeah i i agree but a crown is something essential in a watch a crown is something that it's the main the main part of the watch you interact with exactly should it be to set the time or to wind up your watch if the watch looks nice but when you unscrew the crown or just pull it out and try to set the time if it feels like crap if it's too light if it feels like a toy it will not feel dependable so it's uh, no it's something you know a watch is a it's a very simple and very complicated thing in the same time because you you don't have too many parts if if you forget about the movement for a second obviously and and the scale is very small so you can't go you don't have a lot of uh, how could i say a lot of freedom there you, you there is no way to reinvent the wheel unless you spend a tremendous amount of time and there is no guarantee it's going to work but uh, even within this tiny world made out of uh, not too many pieces it's uh, if you start diving in and i had a conversation recently with uh, with a friend of mine who's an architect and obviously they work on a very different scale and we were comparing the i mean the way we design and the the thinking process and how we work and i was telling him you know when i okay sure a, a watch is a very is a very small scale but when you start zooming in when you dive in it's uh, it's an entire city so the tiniest the tiniest change will change everything like the thickness of a, of a scale the position of an index and i'm talking hundreds of hundreds of millimeters one hundredth of millimeter and the watch is not the same the curve of a, of a crystal and the watch is not the same Definitely, like yeah. it's tiny tiny details so to me moving a scale or an index by i don't know half a tenth of a millimeter is just uh, if we compare to architecture it's like uh, five blocks you know so it's uh it's very different and it's very similar in some way it's uh, it's interesting the other thing that i managed to find out because uh, i found a person in the forums that that had uh, 4512 and then uh, we had a co- short conversation and then he said something interesting that no all anti-reflective coatings are created equal and you know i knew that on the back of my head because i'm obsessed with crystals but uh, you have put only four layers of anti-reflective coating on the 4512 right yes for four yes Exactly. And, and yet they're they're so impressive compared to even higher priced watches. It 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 works but, but how could I say we started with a handicap big time because uh, you know when I design watches I try to bring warmth uh, to the watches. I hate watches that are cold. Like I, I like warm people and I like warm watches if I say if I can say that. And we did everything wrong, <laughs> basically. If we, if you want warmth in a watch, I mean, we have both the, the double dome sapphire, 
which is obviously a nightmare compared to a flat sapphire, but uh, it was impossible for me to have something flat, even if it's very, very slightly raised uh, uh, above the, the bezel level. It's, uh, it's still double dome, so for, for reflection, that's, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a big uh, enemy, I would say. Uh, and we have a, a beautifully lacquered black dial, which is also extremely glossy. So the combination of these two things uh, basically are a nightmare for any, any AR coating that you want to put under a, a glass. So we tried first with a regular one, then with two layers, then three layers, and then our guys at the, at the factory, they told us, but dude, if I, if I keep adding extra layers of AR coating, then the, the glass will not start becoming opaque, but it will lose its uh, transparency. And I was like, I don't care, I want, I want it better, try, and we'll see. And we settled with four layers, which was satisfying, which in both keeping the glossiness of the dial right here because it obviously matters and obviously you don't want to see the whole wild world when you look at the time on a sunny day so it's a it's always yeah. a matter of balance i guess and then his comment about the dial was that this is the blackest dial he has ever seen <laughs> uh, i like that i like that some some guys have told me as well it's that this is liquid black and and i love it because that's that's why that the very reason why we like glossy lacquer dials because it's, it's deep, because you, you lose yourself into it. And it brings such a nice contrast to the white numerals. It's just uh, it's the easiest thing to read in the world. There's no, there's no luck or no surprise or no chance if, uh, if most military watches are, are white on black. It's because it works. And then the, this locker that really complements the, the shininess of the case. It, it, it's just... Can't say symphony, but but probably it, it it doesn't work as analogy. But it's just it just flows together from the inside of the watch to outside of the watch, from this glossy dial to this shiny case. It's just yeah, it's seamless, as uh, Steve Jobs used to say. Seamless. <laughs> I thank you. Uh, I I hope that's what we tried to achieve, uh, of course. And it's uh, it's always uh, it's always a matter of balance. If you put too much on one place, it's uh, some things that are great, but they don't work together. And something you can't put like uh, complex with complex with complex. You need to you need to give the eye a break, and you need to give him space to to realize things, to to see a perception, to see to see the beauty in itself. You know, it's just like I don't know if you like music, but if you if you play a song or if you compose a track with only complicated chords, with like a ninth and seventh and thirteenths and very rich chords, it just it will Heavy. just not sound. It it won't work and it won't sound nice. But if you put a, a nice complicated chord, rich chord, right next to an open minor chord, and then ooh, then you will realize how how rich it is and how interesting it is. And it's the very same. It's the very same thing. You cannot put like a I don't know. You cannot keep adding things. The most difficult thing is to to take off things, to put less and less and less and less. And in my quest of uh, designing purpose-driven watches, uh, I have to say that it's a uh, it's a trickier thing to do because there is always that tiny, tiny little thing that that you know you could add, and if ah, that would be nice. But then if you add it, it's uh, it's not the same anymore. It shows that you've tried. 
And if it shows that you've tried, it's just like when, you, when you're looking at an actor and you see him act instead of being convinced, then it doesn't work. And it's uh, and that's a good one. It's the first time I find this one. <laughs> <laughs> you currently have the 5303 in two variations and then you have the 4512 in a three variation. I am Correct. tempted to ask, without telling too much secrets, what's what does the future hold? Uh, are we going to expect a Lady Serica soon? Oh, there is so many things that we want to do and so many things in my mind and not too many things in drawings, but, uh, but a few already. And, and of course, the, the idea here is to, to continue growing healthily and to, keep, to take the necessary time to offer more Serica watches that embody our vision of different types of watches. So we have the field watch, of course, as you've seen. We now have uh, the dive watch, of course. And the future, hopefully, we'll, we'll see more, more types of watches, but with the very same Serica treatment, I would say. And the vision of being both extremely dependable and elegant. And that would be, of course, uh, I would love to do a, a ladies' watch, which means a, a proper watch in a smaller size. I would love to do a GMT, a chronograph, uh, so many things. I mean, I, I, I would love to, I would love to. And, and we're going to be working on that for sure. But it takes time again, and, and we're here to take the necessary time to do it right. Absolutely. What's your way of connecting with the watch community so you can hear the, the customer's voice or the community's voice? It's, uh, it's very simple. I, I have a phone. I pick it up. I, I have an email address. I answer. And I've been very close to many people. I mean, I, I made friends answering emails and picking up my phone about Serica watches. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to experience. I mean, I have people coming in Paris most of the time. We go for a drink when I have time. And, and we truly bond. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Now, if you're asking me if I monitor all the forums and everything, I, I just don't have that time and that luxury, unfortunately. I can't monitor all the good and bad things that are said about Serica all over the place in every single language. I cannot, but I assure you, if anyone has a genuine interest in what we do, I'm the first one to pick up the phone and, and to discuss and to answer emails. You answer my first call without knowing who is calling, why I'm calling. You See, just pick you know, up the I phone. Pick up my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Like, hi, Jerome, this is... Nico from Finland is hey hello. <laughs> there was no hesitation, which <laughs> was uh, surprising. I mean, who, who who would I be not to how could I say, not to take seriously and not to yeah. give support and answer questions to the very people supporting us in the first place and being genuinely interested into what we do? I mean, that's why we do watches in the first place to share them, to share our vision, to again to bring a smile on people's face when they wear our watches. And so, of course, I pick up my phone. <laughs> Drum, you've probably been told, asked many times, but is there any crazy story out there with some of your watches? Somebody has been on an island for 10 days or something like that, something crazy. The crazy story is known. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I have, uh, we have some guys who's been doing uh, crazy things, uh, been like on a crazy mountain, uh, doing like uh, free soloing, uh, skiing. I mean, something I would just like seeing the pictures, I would, uh, I would, I would almost faint. And I'm no lighthearted. Uh, we have people going like for actually like proper scuba diving with a 4512. Cool. 
and coming back with a 4512, which is a bad thing. Um, then no crazy stories, no, not yet, not that I know of, but many stories of people being happy wearing a 4512 that we have countless. When you're not wearing Serica watches, what do you wear? What's in your watch box, so to say? I have to say I've been wearing Serica watches for a few years now, since the first prototype arrived. And, and very, very transparently and honestly, one of the things I'm most proud of, I would be the most proud of, is, is exactly that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a watch aficionado. I, I'm in love with watches. I've been lucky enough to try on the best watch there is and to be in the game for quite a while. So uh, to have that chance to, to purchase even a few of them. Uh, and today I don't miss any of them. <laughs> you know, I get up in the morning, I wear whatever. For, I usually I go for the, either the 4512 California left-handed or the, the prototype of the 5303. And I'm just a happy little boy. <laughs> That's who I am. But uh, before, th before that, uh, no. You cured yourself. Uh, we might say that, <laughs> exactly. I cured myself. <laughs> I, didn't, I stopped spending money on watches since, I, since we created Serica. It's true. Amazing. Now I buy watches for my girlfriend, which is, uh, and I give away and I give watches to, to my best friends and to my, to my brother. So not everyone is, uh, is losing <laughs> in the story. But uh, <laughs> yeah. no, it's true. I haven't been purchasing a, a watch for myself. Now if there is a one watch I'd like to buy nowadays. I've been tempted lately by a, you know, a dress watch, like the, the very thin dress watch, uh, full gold, gold dial, like a picture, like a, a vintage Piaget or a Patek Ellipse in full gold. That's something that, that appeals to me and it's very far away from the from the Serica world. That's something I'm not yeah. going to work on just yet. So I could look somewhere else. <laughs> But uh, otherwise, no, my watch box, there is still a few things in the watch box. I mean, one of the very first, uh, this one is, is my brother's watch box because I gave it to him. But it's, um, it's probably the first, the first uh, high-end watch I, I desired and I invested some money into it was my first salary, and that was the, the Seiko Marine Master SBDX 001. I don't know if you know the one, the, the Marine oh, Master yes, 300. And uh, it's just the finish of the watch. Now it's, it's a bit big and heavy for, for my taste now and for my, for my small wrists, but it's something I've been wearing a lot and a watch I've been loving a lot. Uh, otherwise, I have uh, an old Tudor sub that I love very much as well. Uh, an old Speedmaster from '69, and uh, and the story is good as well oh, nice, because it's nice. uh, it was brought to me th through a friend, and for a long time I didn't wear it because I thought it was a bit too big for me. And then I designed a strap specifically for that very watch, that something that tapers from 20 down to 14, to find a proportion that would fit my my wrist and my personal taste. And after a couple of years of wearing it, only I it turned into my Speedmaster. You know what I mean? So definitely all these watches are not watches that I would sell ever, even if I don't wear them much nowadays. But it's, uh, these are the watches that took me here. So I, I owe them forever. <laughs> yeah, I have, I've had the Murray Master for, for a few weeks to wear. And uh, that dial is just Yeah, the, the depth and the, the caliber as well, the ATL 35, yeah. I think. It's, uh, it's the, smoothest, yes. uh, the smoothest sweeping second hand I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen, I've seen quite a few. <laughs> But this one yeah. is just something else. The, 
the brushed and polished uh, hands, all the attention to detail is amazing. The overall watch is great, but uh, again, it's just a bit too heavy now and a bit too too thick. It's top it's heavy. A, it's a big watch. It's a big watch. You need a special. I mean, the only thing I I had comfort was on a Crafter Blue Rubber Strap because it really, basically, glued it to, yeah, to exactly. my wrist. I I I, I uh, usually wear it on a on a Perlon strap, and that also have it very close to the wrist. It's it's good. Yeah, that that sticks to your to your wrist. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Anything else, it just becomes uh, top heavy. Something that I haven't uh, heard uh, anybody ask you and something yes. that I'm personally obsessed with is uh, straps. Um, on a previous episode uh, with uh, uh, Artem Strap, I mentioned that I actually made even my own leather straps for a while. So straps are a big part of uh, owning a watch and experiencing a watch. Curious to know about the pigskin strap and the uh, NBR rubber strap because those you haven't talked about yet Sure. The, yeah, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I I also used to to to, to homemade my own straps. I I also used to sell them many many decades ago. And it's also that uh, you know, when you don't own too many watches, a strap you realize how much a strap matter because you change a strap and you get a brand new watch and you rediscover your watch through with a brand new eye basically. So the straps have always been something very important to me. And these leather straps, so uh, we, we haven't talked about the bone clip and, and the bracelet of the 5303, but they both are very, very special to me. Um, because I, I will talk about the pigskin and the rubber strap, don't worry. But I just want to talk about these two straps, which are bracelets. They, the specifications and the, I mean, everything that they had to do in order to please me and and i'm not easily pleased by a bracelet it had to be very light both visually and on the wrist because i hate something that turns your that basically turns your watch into a, a heavy piece of a heavy a chunk of metal that just like doesn't doesn't fit right that doesn't that's not for me so it has to be both very light visually and in the metal, it had to, and it had to, to adjust very easily and, and very finely. And these are both things that you can find into the bracelets we offer with our watches, with the 4512 and with the 5303. Now, coming to the leather straps and rubber straps, it's, uh, the, it's with the very same idea that we work on them. Pigskin is a material that I love because it's, uh, it truly is one of the most resistant and rugged leather it, that exists in the world. It's, uh, it's a pity that we don't get to see him too much because obviously it's not a crowd pleaser for people in the Middle East. <laughs> it's not the, and which usually buy, who usually buy a lot of watches. But it's, uh, it's a shame because the, the pattern, the grain that it has, yeah. the, um, the shininess and the, and the rubber snap that it has is second to none, truly. And we've been having such a hard time like sourcing this leather. So we've been like sourcing skins here and there. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's uh, not forever for sure. And because we have this material that is so resistant and robust, we could work very thin straps and very, it remains very rugged and resistant, but it's instantly very subtle as well. It's very supple, it's very soft. And on the first wear, it's a charm. It was like a, it was instantly well. You don't need to break into the strap. You know what I mean. 
sometimes when you have those heavily, strongly padded straps, I mean, of course, it's, uh, it's never going to break, basically. But it's never going to feel good, neither. Yeah. So I'd rather have a strap that I enjoy a lot, should it be for, uh, I don't know, five to ten years, and then I get a new one, than something that uh, starts feeling good after four years and breaks at five. You know, well, <laughs> if you understand what I mean. So, yeah, and same for the Tropic straps, because we work with, um, with uh, rubber. It's a uh, vulcanized rubber. It's no, it's no silicone, but it's a, uh, it's a very silicone has a, it's a, it attracts dust, and that we don't like that much. But uh, if you just go with rubber, then it's uh, it's stiff and it's not nice to wear on the wrist. I mean, there is many tricks, and we all know them, like boiling water, yeah. putting it in a cup, and everything. But uh, with vulcanized rubber, you you incorporate uh, su- uh, sulfate, I think, in a uh, sulfate, yeah. I think, in English. And you warm it up at very, very high temperature until the, the molecules of the rubber, they do change. And it gets much, much stronger, but it remains very soft. So that's what we use. Uh, and again, the purpose is having a very nice strap to wear just out of the box. Because if you don't have that, it's... Uh, I know I've been saying that things take time, but uh, enjoying what you just ordered, <laughs> it shouldn't take too long. Jerome... I'm really, really thankful for, for, for you making the time, even though you've been a little bit under the weather. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to have you in the future again when you have future releases because I know you have something in, in, uh, in the kitchen. We, we, we're working on a few things and it will be a pleasure to discuss them with you, for sure, for sure, for sure. I'm excited to see and uh, also uh, I, I will make sure that I'll get my hands on, on, on the 5303 when it comes out. And uh, any final words they want to say? No, I think uh, I think we covered quite a few. I hope I didn't go too philosophical or too or too technical. But well, I mean the idea and the ambition behind Serikas are are quite big, and and watches are quite technical little things. So that's the way that's the way to go. Thanks again for having me, really, and I appreciate you taking the time. I mean it's Sunday here, so not everybody does. And if you ever swing by Paris, please let me know. It will be a treat to have you for a coffee at the office. I will. I surely <laughs> will. Thanks for your time, mate. Have an awesome day. For the listeners, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I really encourage you to go and check out Serica Watches. We will put all the information in the notes below. And until ni- next time, goodbye. Take care. You too, mate. Thank you. <laughs>